0: Travelling through times of great trial, the first thing that springs to mind is that we must have done something wrong. Well, maybe. But as I read my Bible, what I discover is that pretty much all the great things that God's done have been birthed out of times of trial. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. And today on the program, we're going to discover how to receive God's gift of confidence in those times, in those difficult times, when we really need it. Because it's in those difficult times when we really need our faith to be strong that it all too often seems to evaporate, have you noticed? So let's head into God's Word. This story from the Old Testament is one that I absolutely love. It touches my heart each and every time that I read it. It's a powerful story of a woman in some considerable distress. We've been programmed these days that life, our lives in particular, should be filled with success. But the last time I checked, that's not always the case. And the times when we really need to be able to trust in Jesus with great confidence aren't the easy times. They're the tough times. The Bible knows little, if anything, about worldly success. God's plan for you and me isn't a life of comfort and compromise, but one of sacrifice and suffering. It's exactly what Jesus promised when he spoke to some would-be followers. Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 22. Now, when Jesus saw great crowds around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. A scribe then approached and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go and Jesus said to him foxes have holes birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head another of his disciples said to him lord first let me go and bury my father but Jesus said to him follow me and let the dead bury their own dead now we're going to go a lot deeper with this it's it's one thing to hear someone even Jesus talking about this idea that following him often means an uncomfortable journey but it's another thing entirely to see this principle in action. That's that's why today we're going to spend some time with Hannah, so that you and I can discover the secret of having a strong confidence in Jesus when the going gets tough, because it's in those times that we really, really need that confidence. Hannah's story is one of adversity, and out of that adversity, God births quite literally one of the great prophets that he sends to his people. So let's spend just the next few minutes entering into Hannah's pain. First Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. There was a certain man whose name was Elkanah. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. Now, now Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his township to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as he went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and wouldn't eat. Her husband, Elkanah, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why don't you eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? No doubt there are some women today tuned in who either have been there or who are in that place right at the moment. But even as a man, I can just feel the pain that Hannah was going through. Her body clock is ticking. Her heart is to have a child and nothing. But as bad and as tough as that is, It was even worse because laid on top of that personal pain were two other things. The first was the most obvious, Peninnah, Elkanah's other wife. Polygamy was all the rage in the early days of the Old Testament. It wasn't until society had time to grow and mature that God revealed that this wasn't his ideal plan for us. I mean, it should have been obvious Adam had one wife Eve, not two or more. But we humans have a way of wandering away from God's ideal for us. And God has a way of choosing just the right time in history to reveal his plans. So at this point, polygamy was the norm. That's why Elkanah had two wives. That would have been bad enough, except one of them could have children and the other couldn't. And that one that could, Peninnah, taunted the one that couldn't, Hannah. Hannah. Her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. What a terrible situation. A woman who can't have children and a rival for her husband's affections who can and then uses that to rub salt into her wounds year by year. And the final layer of shame, as if all that weren't enough, was that back in those days, the thinking went something like this. If you were a good and godly person, God would bless you with many children, and if you weren't, he wouldn't. So Hannah's plight was further compounded by the fact that socially, people looked down on her. They would have whispered behind her back, she can't be a very good person. Look, look God has cursed her, and she's childless. Put yourself in Hannah's shoes for a moment. How do you feel? They're terrible, right? You'd be asking some serious questions of God. Lord, why are you doing this? I'm doing my best to honour you and my husband and my rivals taunting me. People despise me. Lord, What have I done to deserve this? I don't know what particular pains and trials you've gone through in your life, but this one in Hannah's would rank right up there, wouldn't it? I mean, you can equate your trials and your pain with what Hannah was going through. This feeling that God's forsaken you, that God's treatment of you isn't fair. But I'd like to suggest that when you and I are having Hannah moments in our lives, often a mighty intervention of God is the last thing we expect. In fact, we don't even expect to be in this rotten situation in the first place because surely God wants to bless me. And if I'm going through this terrible time, something must be terribly wrong in my relationship with God. It's that false logic that I'd like to kick in the guts today. And the idea of, yes, I'm in God's favor because I'm being blessed, and no, I must have fallen out of God's favor and out of God's plan because I'm going through terrible trials. See, that's a lie. That's a distortion from the enemy who's dropped this healthy, wealthy, and wise lie into our heads. Pretty much all the great things that God does are birthed out of times of trial. We'll talk some more about that after this short break. As I look back on that moment when I I first laid hold of the truth, that Jesus died for me, that actually the Son of God became a man, walked the dusty roads of first century Israel, and was ultimately nailed to a cross to pay for my wrongdoing, my sins. My heart leapt out of my chest, and I decided to claim him as my Saviour and my Lord. If you're a bit like that, you know that desire in your heart To follow Jesus. The problem is, when you're having that Hannah moment, when you're going through some really tough times, following Him with confidence just isn't easy, is it? The reason that we're in the middle of this series of messages following Jesus with confidence is that we need to know how to follow Jesus with confidence during those difficult times. See, for me, it wasn't enough to be told, just have faith in God, just believe in God. Hey, that's a great theory, but how do you live it out? when you're in a difficult spot, when everything and everybody seems to be going against you. Those were the questions that I needed answers to. That's what we're sharing in Hannah's story, because through that story, God speaks to us about how, how to have confidence in Jesus through the difficult times. Because let's face it, it's in those tough times that we actually need to have that confidence in Jesus. That, that quiet sense of, I know my saviour lives, I know my saviour reigns, I know my saviour has it under control. And this next part of Hannah's story is all about the how. We've heard about her desperate struggle and now let's take a look at how she chooses to deal with it. The next passage we're going to look at is 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 9 to 18. After they'd eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli the priest was sitting in the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed, and she prayed to the Lord, and she wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant, and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head." As she continued to pray before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice wasn't heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord. I'm a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters. She ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. I have never been one to shake my fists at God. Some people do. It's not something I've done up to this point in my life and I pray it's a place that I'll never get to. But you could have understood if Hannah had gone to God and shaken her fists at him in anger and frustration and pain. She was deeply distressed. She wept bitterly. Not only was she childless, but she was scorned. We don't know anything much about Hannah's life to this point. As I read further about her in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, you discover that she's a good and godly woman. So she seemed to be honoring God in every way, and yet this affliction has struck her life, and there was not a single thing she could do about it. Well, perhaps not a single thing. There was one thing, and she was doing it right now. She was pouring it all out to God. She was praying. Prayer seems like a cop-out to some people, And yet the Bible teaches us over and over again that prayer that yields powerful results is entirely normal in God's sight. Listen to this again. The Bible teaches us over and over that prayer which yields powerful results is entirely normal in God's sight. In fact, that's the only sort of prayer the Bible teaches us to pray. And so Hannah engages in that sort of prayer, heartfelt prayer, powerful prayer, I'm sure it didn't feel powerful to her at the time. She was weeping there before God, pouring her heart out before God. But it was, because she came in prayer not just to meet her knee, she came with a humble heart, offering this child up. Should God grant him to her, to God himself, giving up her son, should she ever be blessed with one, into the lifelong service of the Lord, where she'd be separated from him. Come on, you women who have children. How difficult would it be for you to offer your precious child to serve the Lord, to never see him? How easy would it be for you to be separated from your little one from birth? But here she is, honouring God above everything else. See, that's why Hannah's prayer is so incredibly powerful. She doesn't tell Eli the priest what it's all about. She just tucks it away in her heart and leaves it with God And immediately, straight away, she reaps the benefit of her prayer because she receives peace from God. The woman went to her quarters, she ate, and she drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. You see, that's exactly what's supposed to happen because Jesus promises exactly that when we bring our burdens to him. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. My friend, with all my heart, let me say to you that the biggest single thing that you can do to receive the quiet, gentle, powerful gift of true confidence in Jesus Christ is to pray to spend time genuinely in God's presence, to pray, to pour your heart out, to read God's word. Back to the psalmist's words, Psalm 119, verses 105 to 107. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to observe your righteous ordinances. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. My friend, if you're looking for the how, how to follow Jesus with confidence, you've just discovered the answer through Hannah, through the psalmist, through God's word. The answer is heartfelt prayer. The answer is reading and meditating on God's word. Can it really be that simple? Well, actually, yeah, it can. It is. When things are on the up and up, we're really happy to let everybody know about them because obviously we must be pretty clever, obviously God is blessing us, obviously we're in God's favour, and so we don't mind telling people about it, right? But when we're on the back foot, when we're going through that rough patch, we mostly try to keep it to ourselves. It's almost like we're ashamed about it. Gee, you know, if I'm going through a rough patch, maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe I'm out of God's favour. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Have a listen. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, this is a totally different concept. Boasting in our sufferings, But it's it's all about letting God have his way with us. So let's take a look at the next part of Hannah's story in our quest to discover how to develop that quiet confidence in God, in Jesus, during our times of suffering. The sort of confidence that has us boasting in our suffering like the Apostle Paul. I mean, way out? This, This guy's crazy. Who boasts in their suffering? So come on, let's pick up Hannah's story thus far. She's been through a terrible time of childlessness. She's been despised because she's barren. She's been taunted by the other wife of her husband who, who just rubs salt into her wounds. And so when she goes to God and pours her heart out to God, it's just a beautiful thing. First Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. And that prayer gave her such an incredible peace. Then the woman went back to her quarters. She ate and she drank with her husband and her countenance was sad no longer. I cannot begin to tell you the number of times that I've gone to God in distress about something, some great drama or problem, some great obstacle in the ministry or blockage in a relationship, something causing me distress or pain, and I've prayed about it, only to discover the peace of God. This next Bible verse I'm going to share with you is absolutely pivotal in my personal walk with Jesus Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Look, don't worry about anything, writes Paul from his cell on death row. But in everything, my prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So if you hear me coming back to this verse again and again and again, it's because it beats in my heart as a profound truth the time that I would have taken to worry, if I instead go to God with a thankful heart and just pour it all out to him the way Hannah did, then the peace of God is going to guard my heart and my mind. That's exactly what happened to Hannah. That's what happened to Paul on death row over a thousand years later. That's what happens to me every time I dare to live out and act out and pray out this promise from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. 2,000 years after it was written. See, when you and I believe this verse with our lives, this truth happens in our life. The peace of God will be restored to you. The confidence that you have in Jesus will grow. It's like a gift from God. It's so incredibly special. Not only do you get peace, but God's peace guards your heart and your mind. God's peace is like a sentinel. A powerful sentinel in front of your heart and your mind, keeping all those horrible emotions and those horrible thoughts away from you. The peace of God is restored to you. The confidence that you have in Jesus will grow. It's like a gift from God. So special. My friend, please listen to me today. God doesn't want you to be afraid. As he said to Joshua at a difficult time in his ministry, be strong and courageous. That's his will for your life and for mine. Strength and courage. Now, I'm a pretty strong sort of guy, but let me boast here in my trials. When I'm going through a tough patch, I have to tell you, I don't feel strong. I don't feel courageous. When fear grips my heart, I feel weak, I feel worthless, just the same way that you do. The only thing that makes a difference is praying, pouring my heart out to God and trusting God in his word. Can I say it again, in case you missed it, because this is the crux of today's message. This is the heart of it all. This is how to receive God's gift of confidence. The only thing that makes a difference is praying, pouring your heart out to God and trusting in his word. And it made a difference to Hannah too. She had peace. Her countenance was sad no longer. Hallelujah. Isn't that what you're looking for? The confidence in Christ to replace your sadness in times of trouble. But it didn't stop there. God blessed her. God honoured her because she honoured him. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 19-28 to They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her, and in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, whom she called Samuel. For she said, I have asked of him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his household went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah didn't go up, because she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and remain there for ever. I will offer him as a Nazarite for all time. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you've weaned him, only may the Lord's word be established. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she'd weaned him she took him up with her, along with a three year old bull and an ephah of flour and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, My Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me the petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord as long as he shall live. He is given to the Lord. She left him there for the Lord. My friend, you and I serve a good God. He honors those who honor him. It distresses me so greatly when I see people traveling through these difficult times of life, people who earnestly believe in Jesus, but they struggle so much to make it through. And so I ask them, tell me about your prayer life right now. Tell me about your Bible reading right now. And they say to me, I don't pray, it's too hard. I don't read my Bible These two things are so simple. These two things that open the way for the Lord to pour his spirit and his peace and his power and his confidence into your heart. God wants to bring peace and confidence and courage into your heart. He really does. Let me encourage you to pour your heart out to God in your times of trial and your times of distress. Get before God, pour your heart out to God, give thanks to God, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Well, that's about all that we have time for. But before we go, don't forget that you can receive Bernie's E-Devotional fresh into your inbox each day. A powerful scripture verse together with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement to help you be all that God made you to be. You can watch the video, listen to the audio or read the devotional. It's completely up to you. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.org and you'll find the Fresh E-Devotional sign up right there at the top of the homepage. And when you do subscribe, you'll immediately receive a free copy of Bernie's ebook, How Can I Hear God Speak to Me? That web address again is ChristianityWorks.org. I'm Jennifer, and you've been listening to Christianity Works with Bernie Dimet.